Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married 19 years and have seen the fruit in raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from the faith by age 18, and it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in a fallen world. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Uh, What are we talking about, Ange? Are there good spiritual reasons for putting your kids in school? We decided to do this because there was so much attention on the last podcast, 11 Reasons Why We Homeschool Despite Initial Doubts. And we just got so much feedback, so many comments, so many questions, didn't we? Yeah. It's really encouraging to hear how you guys received the last um, podcast that we did. Also, I just want to say that sure. um, it is encouraging to see so many like-minded families out there. Yeah. That was encouraging. Um, but we did have some questions from people who were um, talking about asking questions about, well, what about your kids being a light? What about the Great Commission? That kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about those things in this podcast. And by the way, what a beautiful desire to for your kids to be a light of Christ. Yeah, we desire that. Yeah. We desire for our family to be a light to this world. Yeah. That's one way that we are actually fulfilling the Great Commission. That's right. However, the training and teaching of your kids is a different situation than that. Those are two different things. Yeah. And by the way, we got a lot of f- feedback positive, actually, from people that don't homeschool, too, on the last one. Right. And, Things um, they'd never thought and of this before. isn't just for people homeschooling. This mm-hmm. is for everybody. And I think it's a vital conversation to have because sometimes we can get fooled a little bit by some nice thinking. Or even the intentions are right. Can I just say, like, I love the heart intention that people would hope that they can somehow redeem the situation that their kids are being educated Mm -hmm. with non-believers, people who are maybe pagan worshipers, Buddhist, other religions, right? Sure. Um, Who they're, you know, because that's the reality is that if you're sending your kids to... um, that government-funded education system, then there's going to be people there with all different kinds of beliefs. And, of course, we can be friendly to all people and love all people. That is God's call for us as Christians, that they would know that we are His disciples by the way we love them. Um, But um, to have that desire as Christians that our kids would be a light in this world is that's a good intention. That's a good heart thing that we would be fulfilling the Great Commission together. And it's for people that have their kids in private school or thinking about uh, the private school route as well, because the kids don't necessarily believe in Jesus, or if they do, um, yeah. you know, they could be having all the same attitudes of kids in public schools that never confessed it. So I just, you guys, we're we're going to take this. Could. We're going to take this topic very sensitively, yeah. um, and we hope that you would also have an open mind and heart to hearing the scriptures that we're sharing today. We have about six or seven um, 
scripture passages, little chunks of scripture that we want to share with you on these these topics. And we're going to be sharing our convictions based upon um, studies that we've done, books we've read, sure. people we've talked to, and our own personal experience, and looking at the realistic statistics of today of how many children are raised in Christian homes or going to church, because just because someone goes to church doesn't mean their home is a Christian home. Mm-hmm. So, And then later falling away from the Lord, realizing that there's huge percentages of teenagers walking away from the faith is actually a, a topic that needs to be considered in within this discussion. Now, so. so the four reasons that we have heard of the people that are spiritual reasons for putting people, putting their kids into public or private school, uh, right. number one is so they can be the salt and light. What's number two? Number two is the Great Commission. And you may think that that is like number one um, a little bit. But when we start explaining our reasoning and we go through scripture, you'll see that they're actually two very different things. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Is number three. What a good opportunity to put them in the world in school. Right. And they're, and then number four kind of goes along with it that they want to be relevant to the world. They don't want their kids to become socially awkward, but that they would be able to socialize within the world and be prepared for yeah, they it. They know. somehow think that putting them in yeah. school is going to better prepare them to be in the world. Yeah, they got to know so. how to be in the world, right? So we, under, we agree with they need to know how to be in the world. So we actually don't believe that any four of those are good reasons to put your kids in public or private school as the purpose of putting them in. Right. And so if that is your one justification for why you're doing it, this podcast might actually challenge you in that thinking. Uh, We hope it challenges you as iron sharpens iron. Like we said in the last Mm -hmm. um, podcast, I think we need to re-say this again in case someone didn't listen to the last one and is listening today. Um, If you disagree with us, that is okay. This is not an eternal issue regarding our personal salvation, our kids' salvation. Um, And so this is one of those open-handed decisions, a lifestyle choice that you have to make. But you will be reaping what you sow as a parent. I just want to say that. And also, we as parents are held accountable for the decisions that we make as parents. And if the decisions that we make lead to an outcome where our children are not walking with the Lord, we're going to have to answer to God for that. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't unique situations where God has used situations for his glory. Okay, here's one that comes to mind. I just recently was um, just thinking back to... You know, I was raised going to the public education system, and I um, believed in the Lord my whole life. And when I was 12 years old, I went on my first missions trip, and I came back totally on purpose in school and wanted to be a light, right? Mm-hmm. Now, did I sin? Oh, for sure I sinned. And I got into the wrong crowds at times, and I tried drugs, and I did things that I should not have done. Mm-hmm. And so that weakened my witness with mm-hmm. those people, mm-hmm. okay? And... I was weak and I felt alone and I have my own story. That's my story. Yeah. Now the Holy Spirit obviously protected me and I was Mm -hmm. still pure by the time we got to marriage, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say that I did not actually, even though I was very purposeful, 
lead anyone to the Lord. I didn't disciple anyone and you'd gone into to salvation. And already. I had done missions. I actually did missions from the time I was 12 till I was 22 and only missed two of those summers. And so I knew the Romans road. I had it memorized, but I didn't have the courage to actually talk to someone about heaven and hell and that their sin was going to leave them to hell unless and they accepted Jesus. Now, that for sure, it does happen, right? For sure, kids do witness to other kids, and that happens sometimes. But it's the exception, usually, from what yeah. we've seen. And right. and there's a reason. We'll dive into this. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, um, uh, your kid reaches out to another kid, and they become friends. And the families and, become and friends. And the families become friends. And now there's uh, a greater witness of the adults being participating in the witness. And some people got saved that way. Yeah. Right? And some people got saved because they were best friends with a girl on the team that was a pastor's kid. Yeah. Right? Or, you know, so there are those side stories. But I would say, statistically speaking, that is not what we see happening in the church among Christian kids today in the school system. And we'll share those statistics later. And so as far as what we would tell the masses, Christian parents, what we would coach them in or or counsel them in regarding opinion is that um, we would not say that that is a good enough reason to put your kids in school. And I think sometimes there's other reasons. And sometimes there's really good there are really good reasons like there's no other option for somebody but put their kids in public school that can that be can true can be true sometimes that totally yeah. can be true there could be a single mom out there that's got to work there's all kinds guys, of situations you guys we just want to be sensitive because yeah. this is the thing like we are not the holy spirit we have the holy spirit in us and yeah. we make the decisions for our family based upon what we're reading and in prayer and consideration of the options and all of that kind of stuff and you need to do that too we want you to be seeking yeah. god's will just as we're seeking god's will for our family however these particular topics when i hear from mass people like oh I'm putting my kid in schools because they're the salt and the light and and anyone who doesn't and they get judgy of homeschoolers i just have to say hold up a second yeah hold on a second you're judging homeschoolers for not being the salt and the light let's talk about that now we've also gotten feedback we don't have time to talk about it today that oh homeschooling is only for families that make a certain amount of money or um what was the other reason um, I, I don't even remember, okay. but you know, those are topics that we can get into. We'll get into in other episodes, yep. but yep. we actually don't believe that either. Yeah. So the reason why we're talking about this is because of your comments. So I can't encourage you enough if you would just take a moment and give us a low rating if you're on iTunes and leave us a comment. And in the comments, you can even ask us questions because we love hearing your feedback. That's how we're able to do this particular podcast, right? Is because someone left a comment on my Instagram. Yeah. And so we want to be diving in and being relevant and talking about the things that are important to you guys. And we don't have to agree on everything, right? We can be adults and respect each other, even though we disagree. So, but we're always going to share what we see, what we've seen from Mm -hmm. experience and we see in the Bible, even if people disagree. Yep. So let's dive in. So the salt and light, let's dive into this one. salt and light argument. Yes. Because it is kind of an argument. People use that to persuade others to putting their kids in school. So it really comes down to, okay, so if the premise then is that they're going to go be the salt and light, then we must believe then they've been fully discipled. Right. That children are already salty. They're already salty. And that they're shining bright, that they are walking and they know the word of God and they are purposeful as the light. So they know how to answer the questions. They know the whys behind what they believe. They know the word of God. 
Right. Not the every word in it, but they're versed in it. And they've been totally trained. reading it for a long time. They've been discipled. You said the key word. Because if we have a biblical perspective of humanity yeah. and of children, then we actually believe what God's word says when he says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And we, and that's Proverbs 22. If we actually believe that, mm-hmm. we, we are willing to say, yep, I believe the whole Bible. Yeah. Then we have this. I'm just using one verse as an example, but there are many, right? Mm-hmm. That fall, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all are uh, accused of that in a sense, right? Yeah. And the truth is, is that unless we have been discipling our children, they are not necessarily salty or mm-hmm. a light, mm-hmm. actually. And so as parents, we have to evaluate each of our children, because while one 13-year-old might really have been studying the word, gotten mm-hmm. saved, um, been baptized, is like really passionate about being a witness. And they're like, yeah. send me into school to be a witness. Yeah. Let's just say you got this situation. You can't then do a blanket statement and be like, oh, I'm going to send all five of my kids to public school b- to be a light. Mm-hmm. When the seven-year-old does not have the faith of the 13-year-old. Yeah. Right. Because then what's happening? They're not going to be able to discern false doctrine being taught to them in the school system. Here's a little parenting tip on that real quick is that it's very easy as a parent to to forget the diligence and what you taught the older kids when you have younger kids. And sometimes it can be very easy to assume you've taught them things that you really haven't. I've done that so many times where yeah. I literally it's an it's a reevaluation question that I know I've told you I have to ask myself all the time yeah. being a homeschool mom. On date nights we talk about each kid and go, okay, did, did where we are they teach at? Our what have we that? taught them? We're we're vigilant yeah. to make sure this mistake doesn't happen. And it's not only that, but it's also being fair as a parent and not um, disciplining for something that we haven't taught them the proper expectation of yet. Yeah. Right. Cause that could be completely unfair when you think you've taught them because you've taught six other kids, but you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Did I don't I actually know if a lot of people them? identify with teaching six other kids. Oh, okay. So let's say they've taught two kids <laughs> and the third one comes along and they yeah. forgot to teach them the importance of not interrupting. And then they're automatically like, yeah, you know, disciplining for that when in reality they need to teach it first, teach the expectation first. Yeah. So let's talk about salt and light a little bit more. Yeah. Um, discipleship is a key factor in this. So let's talk about Jesus as an example of the first person to disciple people. Right. He's our perfect example. Okay. So he, when he was doing it, he was an adult. Right. And he was discipling other adults in that example. Right. And he literally walked with them for three years. For three. It took three years of, they literally left everything in their lives and w- literally walked and lived with him. But talk about biblical community. <laughs> yeah. Right? Strong biblical community for three years. And they were adults. They didn't have the folly of a child. Right. And can I also say that he didn't send them out alone. He sent them out two by two. Yeah. Okay. And there's a reason for that because Jesus is God and he knows that alone, sometimes we have to remind each other to take thoughts captive, right? Like you and I literally just had this conversation last night where I was encouraging you 
in how you are a good friend and how you need to take thoughts captive when yeah. you're feeling like you're not, you know? Yeah. And I need that from you. Mm-hmm. Like we have, we help each we're other. two by two right yeah. here. Yeah. And so there is power in numbers. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why we're part of a body of Christ, Amen. right? We're members yeah. of one another. Um, but the interesting thing is that Jesus, yes, he walked with them. Mm. They were adults and he sent them out two by two. And so how can we justify sending out a six-year-old by themselves? So, and I would think it takes longer to disciple children. So when they're at a young age, it mm-hmm. takes time, more yeah. than three years. And that's if you're yeah. if you're diligent. It's funny because in our parenting mentor program, our, the group that's going through the six weeks right now, mm-hmm. they just got the discipleship session, which is session five of the six. Oh, yeah, that teaches them and, how to disciple children. And there's children. a reason yes. it's five and there's four. Four sessions before it, yeah. Um, but it's a it's a one hour worth of just pointed, mm-hmm. di- you know, descriptive what to do and yeah. why, and then by age group what to do and why and resources and so forth. Yeah. And so what we realize when we put that together this is why it's relevant is that it really is an ongoing rhythm of day by day discipleship in the small moments and large moments that creates an accumulation mm-hmm. of. Understanding the word of God, yeah. understanding who God is and relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really right. powerful. You know, it's interesting because what you're talking about, I am remembering when we went through Ken Ham's seminar, Raising Godly Children in an Ungodly World. This mm-hmm. was like 14, 15 years ago. I don't even yeah. think it's available anymore, but it was on DVD. <laughs> and there was an image that he put on old a projector. School. <laughs> really old school was projector. And it was an image of a child that looked like a salt shaker. And it had the lid off and the I parents were pouring salt into the salt shaker. Yeah. And he went through this particular scripture and I had I had actually never really thought about it until we went through this but it says in Matthew 5 verse 13 you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its flavor how shall it be seasoned mm-hmm. it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men yeah that's really um I'm sorry, but that walking your faith out with fear and trembling comes to mind here Mm -hmm. as a parent, because if we think our kids are salty and we're not pouring salt into them and then we put them out in the world too prematurely, they could become saltless. Well, here's the thing, too, with that is we're underestimating the power of two things and they oppose each other. The power of the enemy. He does not want your kids to stand strong. No. He does not want them to grow and be believers launching from your home. Because that's if he can if he can kill that belief in the kid, then he can He can disqualify you from ministry. Disqualify, but then <laughs> your kids, future kids and kids and so forth. He's he is ruining potentially, a legacy. Potentially yeah. ruining a whole legacy. So it's bigger. The enemy knows that it's crafty. Right. Um and then the opposing force, not the only one, because there's God, the most powerful, but you are an opposing force to the enemy also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are the authorized leaders to disciple and train up our kids by God. And we're the most important influences in their life. And we have mm-hmm. to stay as the most important influence in their life that's a human being. So that's really important. And so don't underestimate your role. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. we can because once they're saved, we believe God is doing all of the work. Well, Okay, salvation happened because of God. Nobody can do anything about that. But it happened because somebody believed. They were prompted by the Holy Spirit and they believed. And now they need to be discipled. 
And mm. I think people forget that. Oh, God's going to disciple him for me. Uh, no. no. Yeah. He can work in our hearts, mm-hmm. but we're here to disciple our kids. Yeah. I I think that um, it's very humbling to be aware that we as parents are responsible for filling up our kids. I just think of myself as a Christian and the verses that talk about us being a vessel for the Lord mm-hmm. and that we need to be like jars of clay that are filled up with those sweet oils, right? To be able to pour out to other people. Well, if we're sending our kids out on a mission field, they need to be filled up. And so if if that is what you feel called to do with your child, yeah, then you had better be filling them up. Yeah. Which means you better be making them salty by pouring the word of God into them because you you it's how unfair to have an expectation of a child to be disciple making in a school when they don't even know the word of God. And Romans 10, 17 tells us for salvation comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Mm-hmm. Like they're not actually going to bring anybody to salvation in faith. Unless they know the word of God to preach to that person, the word of God, because it's the word of God that saves them, not your child. Yeah. And so I think that we need to be really aware of the power that we have as parents to be discipling our children and Mm -hmm. that that is the difference maker. Yeah. That is a difference maker. And that God is the one that saves those other kids. It's not up to your kids. It's not up to you to save the public education system. Yeah. It isn't. It is the job of the body of Christ to be doing our part in the Great Commission, which leads us to our next big um, topic, which is number two. Yeah. And they kind of go hand in hand, right? Yeah. I want to take a moment and give you something for free, if you haven't got it already, is the date night one sheet. It is a beautiful document you can download that will have some key questions on it for your date night to just get in alignment about what's most important for your family. No matter what time of year, it's always important to recalibrate. You can get that by going to CourageousParenting.com and subscribing to our mailing list. Um, Also, you can get all of our show notes and everything at CourageousParenting.com. And I also just want to share real quick about the Parenting Mentor Program. So many families are being transformed by going through this. Uh, it's the six-week self-paced program uh, with live engagement from us and even direct interaction. So if you want to join us, uh, here's a little bit more about it. And you can find out more at CourageousParenting.com. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings, and just some really great practical applications. This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. I think that, you know, someone recently said, well, what do you think about um, the missional perspective of the Great Commission and sending your kids into school? So being a light is a little bit different than the Great Commission. And the reason why I say that is because you can be a light like 
the Bible even says a light sits on a lampstand and brings light to the whole house, right? Mm -hmm. That's not speaking, necessarily speaking. You can be a light just by your, simply by the way you live your life, mm -hmm. right? By being a peculiar people and people going, oh, why? Why are they so good at forgiving? Why are they so generous? Why are they so kind? Um, and, and that is a light to other people, right? Mm -hmm. But the Great Commission is is a slightly different situation. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, Isaac, why don't you just share? So 1 Peter 25 says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, here's the key, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And suppose, so the word of God is that spiritual milk, and they need to be filled up with it, mm -hmm. uh, and so they can grow into maturity. You're right. Exactly. And I, you know, as interesting as it says, put aside hypocrisy. And I just think of like the education system and how yeah. there's hypocrisy in the kids' lives that they are peers with. Yeah. There's hypocrisy in the doctrines that are being taught because you can, you can call them doctrines. You can call like even today, teachers are teaching the big bang theory. We used to call it a theory. And nowadays they're not even labeling it a theory. They're yeah. just teaching it as if it was a fact. And if they're teaching it as a fact, then it's actually a false doctrine that's yeah. being taught. Yeah. And so if, if your kids are growing up learning a lot of false doctrines about all kinds of things, yeah. then they're not putting away all hypocrisy and they actually don't know how. And when you're sending mm -hmm. your kids to a school setting, do you know what you're saying? Parents need to be aware yeah. that what they're saying to their kids is, follow I them. trust this teacher. Yeah. Follow them. Follow their example. Listen carefully. Take notes. Believe what they say. Remember what they say so that Respect. you can get a good grade on your test. Respect and admire them. And so when that's what you're saying. When you put your student under anyone else's tutelage, yeah. that's what you're if you're teaching your kids to be respectful students and have a teachable heart, that's what you're telling them. Yeah. And can you truthfully say that about every one of the teachers that is in authority over your child's mind mm -hmm. and what they're being taught? Um, so the Great Commission, though, I think that it's important that we take a look at what it actually says. In Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came to them and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is important because a lot of parents say that they are fulfilling the Great Commission by sending their kids into school. But do you realize that what you're saying is that your kids are are um, making disciples and so, that they're baptizing. I, I haven't seen a seven-year-old baptize another seven-year-old in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit before. And, and can I just add that as far as teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, can an eight-year-old remember all the things that God has commanded them, mm. all of God's commandments? And is he teaching all of those commandments to everyone in the cla public classroom? Mm -hmm. Is he teaching that um, mar biblical marriage is between a man and a woman to the kid who has, you know, a mm -hmm. different situation? 
Yeah. Is he like, are our kids actually able to do this? Do they have the confidence to do this? Now, what have your kids seen in terms of discipleship? They will probably mimic what they've experienced. And so the first step is to make sure they experience being discipled by you for a long enough time. I would say longer than Jesus did with adults. Right. Um, and he did it for three years, yeah, right? Where so, he was disciple making. Yeah. And they would have to be at a certain age of, you know, understanding. They taught him they, teaching to thousands of people. Yeah. Right. And they taught him healing people one on one. And they, they watched him. They watched. So they would need to see that from their parents mm-hmm. of, and experience it of being discipled. Right. So here's a question that I need to ask to be you able that's going to be really challenging. Do you have expectations of your child? regarding the Great Commission that you yourself do not fulfill as an adult. Because I will just be really honest, a lot of people have good intentions and it sounds really spiritual to say I'm sending my kids to be Mm -hmm. a missionary in the school system, Mm -hmm. but they themselves are not evangelizing to their neighbors or the people that they work with Mm -hmm. or the people that are the parents of the kids in their school. They're not actually doing evangelism. And the reason why I can say this confidently is because in the ministry that I've been doing for the last... 10 years Mm -hmm. with women and teaching Titus to women to rise up and teach the younger women. The number one thing that I hear from older women is that they don't feel like they they don't feel needed feel. No, they actually don't know how to disciple people. Mm. The older generations all confess. A lot of them confess. Now we do. There are some out there that are doing a good job for sure. No absolutes. here. But yeah, no absolutes. But the majority of women feel like they are not equipped to disciple another woman. And so if those women are saying that, how much more are parents going, I don't know how to disciple my kids. We hear all the time in this parenting ministry. How do I disciple my kids? So if they don't know how to disciple their kids, how on earth can we as Christians expect our kids to be making disciples, which is the Great Commission, and, and that's the pressure we're putting on them? Yeah. That's not fair. Now, I think a lot of people probably misunderstand when they're saying, oh, it's part of the Great Commission. They probably misunderstand. They, you're enlightening them right now. Right. The, what, what the that, Great Commission what that actually really means. says and to I think make a, disciples and, and I think a lot of people teach, probably yeah. more mean point one, which we've already talked about. But. Right. Exactly. That they, they can't be a light unless they have the light put in them, which is the light of Jesus. And that comes from you discipling your kids. And they can't yeah. be the salt unless you put the salt in them, which is the word of God, and that they can actually become less salty and then they're worthless yeah. according to scripture. Yeah. So on the last part, part of the Great Commission is they need to have a confidence to be able to say the truth. And you just had a great example of yourself, which isn't all the examples, but you were doing mission trips and so forth. You actually knew the Bible pretty well. I had the Romans Road memorized. Yeah, the yeah. So, but you still were not saying the truth in your big high school that you went to. Right. And so it's it's hard. Now you might say, "Well, my daughter is praise God. That is awesome." But let's. I don't think we need to. Um, like, do use you the unique examples as as something a to support every for, parent for every parent this, should right. do this. Okay, so we're talking to a thousands of parents here, um, and it's just the the odds are challenging. The, the odds are really, really challenging. They really are. I mean, are you picking up your kids and saying, "So, who'd you share the gospel with today? Mm-hmm. Who did you teach the commandments of the Lord to today?" Hey, how's that relationship going? Do you think that she's ready to accept the Lord and be baptized? Yeah. Like, I, I just don't think that that's actually what is the happening in conversations. actually is what's happening, which is because the salt shaker isn't filled up, 
that there's nothing to pour out and it gets replaced with the enemy's plans. Right, with hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, desires of the flesh, envy, comparison traps, um, you know, malicious friendships that turn on each other to... Well, and let's to just say it like all the worst things that yeah. are happening out there, which is teaching all the the most crazy things in the schools and history books mm-hmm. are changing, all kinds of stuff. We don't need to go into it. I think you guys know. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that it's important that we recognize that when it comes to leading someone to the Lord, we have to speak the full gospel. Mm-hmm. We actually have to talk about heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. And what sin does, the Bible says that sin leads to death. And are your kids confident in talking about hell? Like I'm not talking about a a damnation kind of gospel. I'm talking about like the real truth gospel that God's grace can save us. Mm -hmm. And isn't that an awesome thing? Like, but the reality is, is that no one has a need for a savior unless they actually believe that they sin. Yeah. And no one has a need for a savior unless they're scared that their sin is going to lead them to hell, which means that they've been convinced that there is a hell and that there is a heaven and that there is eternal life. Yeah. Like people have to be convinced of that today because it's not a common thing that people agree on mm-hmm. or a common thing that all people are teaching their children. Yeah. Right. And so like, do your kids have the confidence to have these kinds of conversations? Because this is like the foundation of why someone would need Jesus. We shouldn't be like sharing a gospel of like, oh, your life's going to be so much easier if, and it's going to be way more fun if you accept Jesus and you come to my youth group. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like that may be the thing that like puts their foot in the door. But the reality is we have to prepare our children with the truth found in the word. And that's like plant a seed, then delegate to the youth group. But that's not working that well either. Right. Which we're going to talk about those statistics in a second. Yeah. Okay. So point number three that we're talking about in the world, but not of the world, which is totally true. We're to be in, in the, the world, world, but not of the world. We are to be the mm-hmm. light and influence the world and right. not be isolationists. We agree with that. Totally. John 17, 14 through 7, 17. So three verses here says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. So hold on a second. So if your children are believing the, the word of God, then the people who are not believing the word of God are actually supposed to hate them do we want to send our little eight-year-old kids that are fragile in their faith Mm -hmm. let's just say it Mm -hmm. they're fragile in their faith they still maybe are figuring out how to own their faith it's still mommy and daddy's faith Mm -hmm. at this point probably yeah usually and usually and do we want to put them among a bunch of people that are going to hate them because of what they believe when they're fragile like that? Mm. I don't know. I, I don't personally. Yeah. But just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world because we're all still here. Like even yeah. if we homeschool, we're in the world. Hello, that's what he's talking about. But that you should keep them from the evil one. How do we keep our children from the evil one? Okay. They are not of the world, just as I am not the of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Okay, I'm going to reread verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. I want to honestly ask you this question. Are our children being sanctified all the time by God's truth that is found in the Bible? 
or are they being washed with false doctrines throughout mm-hmm. the day because they're spending 40 hours a week, six to seven hours a day in a school setting where they're being taught the opposite of what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And then they come home and they're tired and you're trying to retrain them. Yeah. Let's, that's just the reality. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just straight talking here. Yeah. And I think that as parents, we absolutely have to consider this. We can't ignore this. This is a huge threat. Now, remember that what's the point of them going to school? To be Actually, educated. To be educated. To learn. So if that's the point, do we want to put extra burden on them when they're trying to learn? And confusion. Talk about confusion. Okay, go sit under this teacher, learn what they're saying, obey them, respect them, remember everything they say, but then come home and, and tell me everything, and, and I'm going to teach you what we really believe. Right. That's super hard and so confusing for a child. So I... I just think that there's a lot that needs to be considered here. So, yeah, absolutely. So, so we need to know what's happening. So, we how do you help your kids? People are probably wondering this. Okay, so if you don't put them in school, how mm-hmm. do you be in the world but not of it? Well, do your kids do anything? Like do they play any sports? Do so, you they... can still do sports, music lessons, friendships, <sighs> neighbors, going do you live store, in a neighborhood? Neighborhood, all I these mean... things. But also, I think it's vital, and I like to play this role in our family, which is knowing what's happening in the world mm-hmm. and educating my kids about the world. So, I don't actually hold anything back. I do say things in an appropriate way based on age, but I don't hold anything back of what's happening out there in the world Mm -hmm. uh right now uh epstein just got arrested right so um you know my kids actually know who he is (laughs) yeah they know what's happening they know the conspiracies around it and why you might be wondering would i teach my kids this because i think it's important that they're knowledgeable about what's happening they're knowledgeable about the real darkness that exists out there. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand the darkness in a relevant way, you can't stand up against it when you're away from your parents. Right. Yeah. And you know what's really powerful about this is talk about being in the world, but not of it. Yeah. Okay. So our oldest daughter, I'll just briefly mention this because I'm super proud of her. She's in her second year at Liberty and her major is politics and policy. Yeah. And she is very passionate about politics and the Christian worldview yeah. and issues like this and people knowing the truth and the truth setting them free. Yeah. And I, it's just, you know, there is a perfect example of homeschooling someone all the way through and then they go and they're prepared and they're going to be a mighty force. Yeah. That's exciting. So um, I also want to share with you from Romans 12, because in, in here, Paul is literally says, I beseech you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is talking about a, a transformation. Mm-hmm. Being, d- don't being conformed. Don't become like the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And how does that happen? It comes because of your mind. Actually, that's why he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which happens by the word of God. Yeah, actually. And so we have to be and then just further down. I'm just going to briefly mention this. It also says in verse three, but to think soberly, he's literally saying 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt with each one, the measure of faith. We have to think soberly about ourselves and our children. We have to take the rose tinted glasses off and go, do they actually have spiritual discernment? Have they received Christ? Do they own their faith? Is the Holy Spirit really activated in my child? Are they choosing daily to walk with the Lord? Are they reading the Bible? Do they know his word? Because if you can't say yes to those questions, then I, how are they going to be disciple makers? You know, it's interesting. There's a, a an example. We, you know, as your kids get older, you do want them to have experiences without you in the world, and but you don't. But you want to be careful. You want to know what they're going into, and then you want to have open communication where they come back and they let you know about it and get your perspectives, right. and you have the open dialogue about it. I think of this one example of uh, one of our kids went to something at Stanford. Um, and it was during the summer, I believe. Yep. And it was this law and trial kind of thing, but it was a non-faith-based thing. Kids all the same age, staying in the dorms there. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, these were like the smartest kids in the country. You had to have a certain SAT score in order to be accepted into yeah. the program. Yeah, and they kept the girls with girls, boys with boys. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're like, okay, this is yep. good. And, you know, what this, a great this, experience. this kid is trained yeah. and mm-hmm. we trust where their strength is and faith and so forth. Well, it was unbelievable what we heard about the behavior of the kids when they weren't in classroom. Especially the ones that were originally when she met them, they were claiming to be Christians. Yeah. And and what they thought it meant to be a Christian. And the dreary, the dreadful thoughts that kids had about themselves, the suicidal uh, beliefs they were holding. Actually, every person she came in contact with there had a suicidal thought at one point while there even. Yeah. And so, you know, it was an interesting experience. And then unfortunately, um, a security guard ended up raping a girl. On the third night. On On the third night, of course, I'm talking to Stanford police, some you know, yeah, trying to figure out if our daughter's safe, is safe. Are we going to pull her home? What are we going to do? And she, you asked a really good question, right? I just said, so we were having a conversation with her and we said, we are more than willing to pull all of our strings and get you home tonight. If we need to, it doesn't matter how much it costs. But then she she said, "Are you so? Are you guys going to bring me home? Because other girls' parents are taking are pulling them out of the we program." We let her decide. And we, I just said, "Do you? I'm gonna let you decide. Do you feel safe?" And she and guys, listen. Though we had trained her, like we'd even did a, a year of Krav Maga, <laughs> and like we were like, "Okay, we know you can defend yourself physically. Maybe yeah. not in all situations, but yeah. like more so prepared for this than uh, other awareness. kids." Yeah. Yes, and um, she just was like totally like whoa you're letting me make that decision and we're like yeah you're 16 17 like you can make this decision we trust you do you feel safe and she's like yes i do and we said okay you can stay but you call us in a second when you don't feel safe and we'll get you and she ended up being okay uh there were some good aspects to the experience most of why it was good is her real awareness of the challenges in the world Would I send her again or another kid again? No. No, We wouldn't. No, and actually what's interesting is that we asked her, like we've actually done this before where we sent the kids away to camp, even Christian camps, and said, so what do you think? Was it a good experience? Should your brothers and sisters go? And every time the kids 
come back saying, no, don't let this kid go. This kid might be able to do it, but this kid would be too easily swayed. And like, that's why it's so important that you know each of your children individually. You take off the rose tinted glasses and you're aware of where their spiritual maturity is and their social awareness and their awareness of what's going on in the world. Yeah. Right. It's important that they're trained and they're prepared, that they understand that there are people out there that want to kidnap them and put them in sex trafficking, for example, because that's real. It is real. And so like we have to be training our children. And part of that is we are in this world. We can't, we're not in heaven yet. Yeah. But we don't need to be of the world. Now we um, uh, are going to talk about the last one real quick. So relevant. A lot of people are like, oh, I want my kids to be relevant. I don't want them to be weird. I want them to know how to be in this world and and uh, to, to be relevant socially and these kinds of things. And so you have to realize that um, socially strong has nothing to do with putting them in public or private school, first of all. Okay, mm-hmm. They're socially strong because their parents nurture the right relationships around them and communicate with them on a regular basis and, frankly, have more than one kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you only have one kid, there's a, maybe a different thing there, but, Mm -hmm. um, you have to think about even making sure they have more friends on a regular basis, but it's really important. That's not, um, who do you want them socializing with? Listen to the last episode, but do you want your kids to look like the world? Do you want them to swear? Can I just say like, if you you want them to look at the wrong things, do you want them to have the attitudes or do you want them to have a heart of God? Yeah. And if you can honestly, truthfully look at an entire school and go, I want my kids to turn out like that last graduating class, then whoa, you're in an amazing place. But the majority, let's just be honest, is that we started looking around and going, okay, can can we honestly say we want our kids to become like this? And the answer was no. Yeah. We didn't want our kids to become like the kids that were coming out of the public education Do you system. want them to be relevant to foolishness? Right. No, we don't. There are better ways to equip your kids to be relevant in the world. And we've already talked about a lot of those. Okay. In Colossians 2, 8, it says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. That is what happens on a daily basis in public and even private school. And it can even happen in homeschooling too, because there are a lot of people who homeschool that are not walking with the Lord and it's not actually a Christian home. And so you have to discern. I think that that scripture verse is actually the foundation of everything that we've been talking about today. Do not let yourselves be deceived by false teaching. I think that it's also important that we recognize that the way that traditional Christian families have been parenting is not producing the kind of fruit that that God really de- desires out of Christian families, yeah. out of his people. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that there have been a ton of studies done. I mean, here's one by George Barna, Tyndale Publishers. It says, if current trends in the belief systems and practices of the younger generation continue in 10 years, church attendance will be half the size it is today. Yeah. That's huge. And then if you, you know, there's just so much out there. There's um, Ken Ham has a DVD called Already Gone. Also books um, Already Gone and Already Compromised. I highly recommend you look into them at AnswersInGenesis.com. Um, he has done tons of studies with the Barna Group, with other with other groups as well, to find out how many kids are leaving the faith by age 18 in the Christian church, right? And what is the what are the main factors and why is this happening? He's been able to kind of narrow it down. It really is eye-opening to evaluate so that 
and you need to do this before your kids are that old because and, it actually requires changing the way you are discipling your kids. And, and we were studying this stuff early in our parenting. Yeah, like And now years 20 ago. years into it, 19, I guess 19 years into it, um, that is you know, part of why we created the Parenting Mentor Program. Right. And I will say that the stuff that he predicted would happen, we've actually seen already come to fruition as far as statistics go. Josh okay. McDowell yeah. says that 63% of teenage Christians don't believe that Jesus is the son of the one true God. 51% don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. 68% don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a real entity. These are Christians. These are Christ teenage Christian kids. Yeah. He also found that 33% of church youth have said that the church will play a part in their lives when they leave home. Only 33%. Mm -hmm. That is 77% are choosing to not leave Talk or it. choosing to leave. That's that's not okay in my mind. Yeah. You know, I, I also think that we need to be aware. This is, Isaac was just talking about Epstein. Yeah. Right. And being aware of current trends. Parents, we have to be aware of these current trends also and start asking some hard questions like, okay, why is this happening to the body of Christ? How come young adults ages 18 to 29, most of them are not walking with the Lord or not regularly attending church are not calling themselves Christians? Resistant to any authority in their lives. Why is that? And we need to literally change some things that we're doing. If they can't have authority, if they resist authority when they're young, how are they going to follow God's authority when they're older? But thanks mm -hmm. for joining us. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, Isaac and I release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you and your spouse to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. It's an incredible program where we cover everything from obedience, training, to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's an incredible community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentorship program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.